Well, the Bible has um, quite a lot to say about honouring our parents. Thank you, Chris. Indeed, it's one of the big ten, one of the Ten Commandments. And also in the Ten Commandments is this prohibition on worshipping idols. Big no-no. And in it, God says something really interesting. He says, he punishes the sins of the fathers, or perhaps more broadly, the parents, down to the third or fourth generation. But blesses to the 1,000th generation those who love him. Which is a real interesting scripture. We'll talk about it a bit later on. But before we do that, we're going to introduce our mums. This is, um, sorry, um, this is um, Bessie, um, Elizabeth Kennedy Cuthbertson, and uh, she was born in um, Scotland, and of six, <laughs> of Don't encourage him. six children, and, um, uh, but when... They left, all of them, when they left school, they all came down to London to find work. And uh, my mother did, and she was in, um, she was in service, as they say. Um, well, she was a maid. Yeah. Uh, so what era would this be, this photo? Um, yeah, oh, 1920s. Nine, yeah, oh, wow. it was the, she was a flapper girl. Okay. <laughs> she oh. taught me the Charleston. <laughs> okay, good on you. <laughs> and... Um, Oh. oh, yes, so, and that's... Now, I probably should introduce this person, shouldn't I? Yep. That is you-know-who. That is who? That's you, isn't it? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> you look very bonny. Yeah, we yeah. were both, my sister, and my sister was born four years later, and we were both, we looked just the same, and um, we were both very healthy. My mother was very... Conscious that we that well, I was a war baby, and um, that uh, we we should have all the nourishment that we could have. So she was, you know, she she was very conscientious. She was very um, uh, she was over anxious always. Right. Yeah. Okay, and that's a little bit later. Yes, that was uh, I think after I had come to New Zealand, and nineteen um, sixty odd. In 1959, I came. Yeah. Um, that was just before she died. Yeah. And uh, she died when I was um, 20. So I'd, I hadn't been here two years. Um, so I couldn't go. She was in a coma, and I couldn't go back. Um, I hadn't fulfilled my contract, and um, and I couldn't couldn't go back for other reasons. So you came here and you never saw her again? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. No. All right. Now, this is my mum here. Uh, that's not all the children. Really? Mm. Not sure what happened to the 10th. Might have been taking the photo. Um, and that's, I think, in holiday, on holiday at Lake Taupo, probably in the late 40s. Oh. So my grandma, her, had 10 kids in 15 years. 
Wow. And there's a four-year gap between nine and ten. Wow. And there's no twins. Wow. So she was busy. Yeah. So um, where did your mother come in in order? Uh, six. She was a six, right? Yeah. yeah we'll talk right. about that later yeah. as well because I think that was probably a bit significant. Yeah. Uh, and this is her, um, I think, probably about a year before she died. Wow. And she died um, in 1990, so she was, would have been 59. Right, so... Um, Good head of hair I had then, wasn't it? Mm? Good head of hair I've got. Yeah, 59, it? that's right. So yeah. who, who's that with her? <laughs> you, were a, <laughs> you were a ginger. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah big <laughs> oh, time. Big explains time. a lot. I know, I know. Yeah, hence I've shaved it all off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, is she... Yes, she looks... Um, Slightly strained. Yeah, um, she had gone through um, quite a severe psychiatric episode. She had a psychotic break oh, for a while. Gosh. And um, had recovered from it. But the thing I've discovered with people who go through psychotic breaks is what they think they've experienced when they're on them becomes part of their memory. And so it all happened as far as she was concerned. And to get her back on the straight and narrow, they put her on these um, pills which were, would have filled an elephant. Um, so she would often, at this stage of her life, um, sit in a chair and gaze out the window. Wow. So that was quite hard yeah. to watch that. Oh, yeah. that, that, that was yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. My mother, uh, she had, um, she was sick when she was a child, yeah. uh, rheumatic fever, right. and she was in a wheelchair for um, quite a lot of her childhood. Okay. And she, it left her with a weak heart, so she was always sickly. I always knew her as being sickly. Right. And then she, um, she developed um, severe depression, and uh, she was always anxious, so... There was the anx anxious depression, so. Okay. and so that that dominated my yeah. childhood, really. Sure. Well, just to tell you a bit more about mine. Yeah. So six out of ten, and I think uh, probably got lost in the crowd. Ah. There were six yeah. girls, um, and I, I've often wondered, you know, what happened to her back then. I think if I remember saying to someone, you know, if I met my mum at a church, um, I would probably have assumed that there was some sort of abuse in the background. There were just some telltale signs. Mm. She was obviously carrying a heck of a lot of pain. Um, the problem with um, people brought up in the depression was um, if you had something go wrong, you, you didn't talk about it because that was to dwell on the past. That's right. No use crying over spilt milk. Mm-hmm. Husband died yesterday, we've got to get on with it. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's yeah. So, so cruel, really. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, um, one of my mum's cousins um, developed some sort of issue that he wanted to talk about. He was a farmer uh, in the King Country, and he snuck off to Palmerston to see a counsellor. <laughs> wow. I know. In those days? In those days. I'm so impressed with him. Yeah. Because, hey, I mean, if that had got out, wow. people would have thought he was sort of, you know, yeah. destined for one of these. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you didn't talk, to, talk about your stuff. You certainly didn't talk to a counsellor. 
yeah. unless you were nuts, or had yeah. a nervous breakdown. Do you remember that expression, yeah. having a nervous breakdown? Nervous breakdown, oh. yeah. Oh. When I, I first arrived in 59, um, everybody in the church was having nervous breakdowns. Oh, really? It was fashionable. Okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so mum grew up on a farm and moved to Whanganui, which isn't a great leap because it wasn't a big place. And she was a hairdresser and she was in this social circle and this chap came to see her one Saturday night. He knocked on the door and he said, Hi Edith, um, I've been thinking about this and would you marry me? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and the answer's cute. <laughs> she said, well, I'm sorry, um, Sandy, I can't because I said yes to Ian Robson a week ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what were you people doing? <laughs> I get it. Anyway, so she had two boys. Uh, my older brother, who I've talked about a bit, was quite severely disabled. He uh, intellectual disabilities, psychiatric ones, and he was a, he was a big unit. So really hard to manage. Um, Dad couldn't get his head around what was going on, and so kept trying to teach him and teach him and teach him. And I was, I think, sitting in the corner looking over the shoulder, absorbing all this. Yeah. Um, and Dad was much older. Uh -huh. 20 years old, so right. he died after 10 years, uh -huh. and so she's got a eight-year-old, very disabled kid, and she's got me. Uh, and if I reflect on mum, um, and this was, you know, dad died in 69, um, a solo, being a solo mum in those days was pretty tough, I think. Uh, yeah. And what she mentioned, what I noticed was that people withdrew from her because the wives were a bit concerned that the husbands might like the look of her. Oh. Yeah. And so there were people who disappeared from our lives or held them at arms, her at arm's length. So that's pretty tough. And you've got this guilt of, I think, having felt like she's responsible for my brother's disabilities. Yes, that, that's, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as we said, you know, no possibility of counselling. No. You wouldn't do that. No. Everyone would be talking about you. Mm, that's yeah. right. Oh, that would yeah. be terrible. <coughs> uh, and I think, you know, out of that, Milu, I came through. Um, quite mm. difficult kid. Mm. Probably trying to work out my own mm. reaction to all of that. Um, and I was at a family funeral a few years ago, and they were telling stories about... Um, Mum came up in some of the stories. And this lady who died was my cousin. And apparently when we used to go visit, the first thing mum would do would grab this little girl and do her hair and her nails and her make mm. her face. Mum wanted girls. Mm. Um, and through that, um, raising a boy by herself, um, dad became a ghost. Ah. So, do this. No, nah, I don't want to. Your father would want you to. Mm. So there's that guilt mm. that goes with Goodness. that. Um, so mentioned in her 50s, having that psychotic break, mm. um, and then died of a brain hemorrhage at 59. Mm. Which is a funny old thing, really, because that weakness in that blood vessel probably been there all her life. Yes. Could have sprung at childbirth, mm. didn't, and mm -hmm. just one day, bang. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, that was the time when I, um, I sort of had to face my uh, childhood stuff. Yes, yeah, tell us more about that. 
tell us about your story. Oh, um, <clears throat> well, my, you know, as I said, my mother was a, a flapper. She was, she was, she was, um, she lived in London because she, uh, you know, she worked for this, you know, oh, I don't know. I think it was, um, I don't know if anyone remembers Richard Dembleby. He was uh, um, someone on the radio, commentator, and, and uh, she worked for his son, apparently, um, uh, in this very big house. And um, it was real servanthood in those days, and you, you know, you, you lived above stairs, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, but she learned how the other half lived, and um, I think that influenced her. She always, um, she was a sort of perfectionist type, and, and she just wanted more of life. And then um, she <laughs> married my father, and they had, a good four years before I came along uh, in their marriage. And um, although my father was a bachelor type, he was very reserved, hardly spoke a word, um, and um, very benign, I'd say. You know, never said a bad thing about anybody. Um, and uh, so, but after I came along, and then my sister four, four years later, Everything changed. She was trapped in this two up, two down cottage, um, looking after us. She never went anywhere. She didn't know anybody. She hadn't got any friends, any childhood friends or anything, because she'd come from Scotland. Um, and she became severely depressed. And I, as a youngster, I was her whipping board or something or other. She used to tell me everything ab about how terrible my dad was. And uh, I laughed because my dad was so, so mild, meek and mild. Um, she was bitter, she became bitter. Um, and, uh, and then she became, as I, she was really good for, with us as, as babies. Uh, I know that, she really cared for us because my sister came four years later and I, I saw how she cared for her. Right. You know, she breastfed her and she bathed her and I saw all that and I saw the love and I thought, that's what I had as well. She gave that to me, I was sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, <clears throat> uh, but when I became a toddler and started saying no, <laughs> Uh, she couldn't handle that. Right. She, she just could not handle it. And um, she lost control. Uh, she, um, in more ways than one, she lost control in that she didn't know how to handle me. Mm -hmm. And I sensed that. And she would say, now, Isabel, I want you to go and do so-and-so. And I sensed that she was fearful that I wouldn't. So I played on that. And... Um, so I was a little brat, you know, and uh, <clears throat> uh, so then she beca it became worse and worse. Um, she was so frustrated, uh, she was so unhappy, um, and uh, it sort of, you know, all poured out on me. And then, of course, I was the eldest, elder one, when my sister came along, so I should know better. 
Um, and so it sort of, you know... Tell us some of the things that she said to you. Well, um, I mean, she was, she was so frustrated that, uh, and she would, um, I think she regretted her life. She regretted how life had turned out for her. And she used to say things about, you know, she used to say, well, um, uh, you should have been um, drowned at birth. And, uh, you know, sort of thing. I was the rotten apple in the barrel <laughs> and, and stuff. And that, um, all that negative stuff, together with her illness that I felt, and her, I felt her, her, you know, desperation. And, and, and I thought it was my fault because she nearly died having me. Mm. Um, and uh, Do you think she felt it was your fault too? Uh, I think she thought she had, she blamed herself. She said, I blame myself, I blame myself. She said, uh, and she used to sit and brood and, and she'd, you know, she'd say, what a, you know, that was foolish, I've been so foolish. And then at one stage she said, I've done a wicked thing. I've done a wicked thing. And um, I, there was nothing I could do to help her. You know, I, I, I just felt so helpless. And, it, and I thought, I don't know, um, maybe um, I, I, I had no solution. So as a kid you felt like you were the, supposed to be the protector. Yeah. And you couldn't I, do it. I was supposed to rescue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rescue my mother. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so... So, thinking about that upbringing then, longer-term effect on you? Um, well, I think I... Although I felt everything of my mother, I, I felt... I, I mean, um, she used to scream at us sometimes and then other times she'd send us to Coventry and um, wouldn't speak to us and we never knew what we did and uh, except that we made a noise or she couldn't stand noise and um, uh, but I just couldn't I couldn't measure up because I didn't know what I had to do except that I had to keep my shoulders back I had to dress appropriately because what, what would the Neighbours say, you know, it was all to look the an outward thing. She, right. we, we weren't, I wasn't allowed to um, play with the children in the street, so I was also isolated because they weren't good enough. And um, so I, I was in this cottage, little cottage, sort of isolated uh, until my sister came along. But I didn't feel isolated because... Um, I, she used to keep me quiet by giving me um, a pencil and paper, and I used to draw, and, and that's what I used to do. So you just went inside yourself? And yeah, that's yeah. right. I did. Okay. I did. Um, do you think you were depressed as a kid? Yes. Yes, I was depressed as a baby. I remember that. And okay. um, so I, I, I've suffered depression all, all my life. So. Then in your late teens... What yep. happened? Well, that's it. I, I knew that I had to get away. 
and um, so so I did. I went, I was boarding with a with a friend because I was working um, quite a way away, you know, two two or three busloads um, away from her bus trips away from um, from home. So I boarded with it with a friend, and um, at the age of seventeen, I think. And um, so gradually, I, I weaned my way myself off off my mother. Um, I still felt very responsible, but uh, but then, as a teenager, you you become self-absorbed, or at least I did, yeah. you know, to survive, sort of thing. And and there's a big world out there that you had to um, you know survive in. So, um, uh, yes. So, you came here. I had. Hmm? And you came here. Yes, I, I, I felt that I had to get away. I had to get away to survive. So, um, where was the furthest I could go? <laughs> Scott Base. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, um, um, immigration. Was the thing. So, so that was it. So I came here, and, um, and another big change in your life uh, shortly after you got here. Yep. Was that I had had a letter of introduction to a couple um, from the chief radio officer on board the ship that I came on, and um, I so I looked these people up as, as almost as soon as I got here. And found that he was a Baptist minister, and uh, and his, he and his wife didn't have any children. So when I arrived on their doorstep, um, Auntie Lois, as I called her, um, thought, "Oh, here's the daughter that I'd prayed for." <laughs> and um, and at that time, it was the Billy Graham crusade. And anyway, they were going to a wedding. This was on a Saturday, so they invited me for tea on Sunday and to church. So. So that was that, that sister. And then um, they suggested I went to the, um, the crusade, which I did. I went, I went night after night and thought, this is all crazy, I can't make any sense of this at all. And, um, and then I heard this scripture, one scripture which said, um, unless you become as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And I thought, I, that's where I want to go. I, I want to be accepted. I want to, yeah, I, I do want to go to, to heaven. Um, so I have to become as a little child. And then I had this vision of putting my hand into the hand of, my, of uh, the father, as it were. And, uh, and it was one of trust. So that was my first thing I had to trust. And um, well, I wasn't ready to do that. Who, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't trust my mother and I certainly couldn't trust my dad to back me up because he'd say, you listen to your mother, she knows best. And I, you know. So um, anyway, uh, so uh, long story short, I went forward um, on the last day, I think. It took me that long. And, um, and so, yeah, so that was, 
the beginning of of my Christian journey. (laughs) I'm going to fast forward now Mm. to I think you were about 50 and you decided you would train or retrain as a counsellor. Why did you do that? Because although I had, you know, from other Christian point of view, the, the people that had been brought up Christian, they thought I had quite a dramatic um, conversion. Um, it wasn't all plain sailing uh, by any means, and um, I had a lot of things to contend with. And uh, um, yeah, so I had to find my own Christian way. Um, and so, what was the question? <laughs> You went to do counselling. Oh, yes. So then I think what happens to us is that in our midlife, everything that we've shut down and buried and, you know, um, comes up for attention. And, and uh, I have been plagued all my life with str- uh, struggling with, with this depression and stuff. And, um, so I, th- I knew that I had issues and that I needed to see a counsellor and I thought, well, it's going to take my whole lifetime to go to have counselling to deal with what I had. So um, I thought, and also because people used to come and, and tell me their problems and expect me to fix them somehow, I don't know why. And, and so um, I thought, I've got, to, I've, I've got to get qualified, you know, I've got to get some training here. So, so that's what I did, I did six years. And, um, and during, but during that time, that was when I worked out, I learned what made me tick, what made my mother tick, what made other people tick. And um, so there was understanding. Tell and us about crayons. Hmm? Tell us about crayons. Crowns? Crayons. Crayons. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, when um, it was a ter- uh, terrible time when I was I was doing my counselling, um, because it all came up with a vengeance, and uh, so I, I your had mother, this your mother stuff. Yeah, it, I was so angry with her. I was so angry at the injustice. Um, and and the abuse, and so um, I had to get rid of this anger. I knew I had to get rid of the anger, so um, so I got myself a big scrapbook, big scrapbook, and um, and crayons because I was doing a bit of um, art therapy, and and I just took one crayon after another and scribbled and scribbled and scribbled, and, scribbled and all my anger day after day, week after week. Just all the anger went onto this and it got thicker and thicker and muddier and muddier and, and, and stuff. And then one day I went to it to go and pick up a crayon. I looked at it and I thought, it's finished. The anger it's, gone. It's done. You'd run the energy out. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it, that's it. It, it had gone. We, when we were talking about this, I, I shared a story, if you remember, about a, a, a woman I knew and her husband left her for another man and she was 
quite annoyed about that. Yeah. And she journaled. Yes, yes. 21 exercise books. Wow. Yes. I mean, and then was able to burn them and move on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So different strokes, different folks, isn't it? Oh, it is, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we all find our own way. You know, we're all individuals and we find our, our own way. And I mean, I filled that, that thing with, with drawings. And then from those drawings, I mean, I, one page was just tears. And, and then and I went back to it and these words came, so I, I wrote words to it. So I, I then learnt to write little poems and things which I'd never done before. Um, As a good Christian lady, did you feel guilty being angry? Um, no, because I'd always questioned... Um, this used to drive my mother crazy. I used to ask questions all the time and challenge things. And I did that. Um, I did that with this, um, this couple um, who sort of adopted me. And um, I used to challenge them all the time. I think I was good for them, really. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, because they, they did things out of tradition again, yeah. you know, this is a tradition. Because anger used to be a real no-no, didn't it? Pardon? Anger was a real no-no. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. And forgiveness, immediately you've got to forgive, you right. know. Yeah. I was in no space to forgive in, yeah. the, in the beginning. Okay. No. Right, so you get the anger out, then the next step you talked about, talked to me about was accepting the hurt and trauma. Tell me about that. Yes, that took that took a long time. I had I had um, counselling from um, a pastor's wife um, uh, in Auckland, and um, sh and uh, I used to go to her, and she and she would say, um, right now I've got, I hope I've got a full tissue box. I hope that's going to be enough, <laughs> because I used to go there and just cry. I just cry and cry and cry. I had all these tears yeah. that I'd never cried. I wasn't allowed to cry when I was a child. And um, that sort of thing, which, you know, and when I went, I went home to my sister and I showed her this scrapbook that I'd been working on with all this stuff in it. And, um, and she said, yeah, you mustn't do that, you mustn't do that, you'll have a breakdown, you'll have a breakdown. She was, she was absolutely, um, she said, oh no, your mother loved you, your mother loved you. The way she coped with things was that she used to fantasise. And um, so, you know, she'd say, oh, mum was lovely and all the rest of it. And, um, but then in later years, she, she would remember and she would say, oh, I remember what your mum used, what mum used to say to you. And she said, I used to feel so sorry for you. And um, so, you know, at last she, she did acknowledge it. I, you need to be acknowledged, you know. Yeah. You, you just need, you keep on and on and on until that pain is acknowledged. And, and that's what I needed to do, was, was to, to be acknowledged and even to be allow, allow myself to acknowledge it myself okay. and um, so, so that, that was that. But and then you talked to me about the faith to forgive. Yes, 
I think that it, it's quite a, I mean, people are complicated and uh, it was quite a complicated process for me that um, I never felt guilty because I hadn't been brought up in that uh, Christian tradition, you know, um, that, you know, you just got to forgive and, and so forth. And you have to forgive because God has forgiven you, and and so forth. Um, the only I think the only thing is that because God has forgiven us, we need to forgive ourselves. Um, but as for forgiving other people, um, my definition of that to begin to begin with um, became. I no longer allow you to hurt me. So that was the first step. Um, and um, so you're no longer a victim. And um, uh, we, we, yes, we should not allow ourselves to be victims. And, and that we have to take some responsibility. Um, so, because you described it to me as almost like another conversion, that you, you know, when you first became a Christian, you sort of throw yourself off a cliff, hoping someone's going to catch you. Yes, that, well, yes. Yeah, and in this one too, that you, mm, I don't know, mum, I let you go. Um. Yes. Um. Uh, um, I don't quite remember. Um, I know that um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't okay. remember that. Sorry, my memory. And then one day you told me um, you, you had this thought, gosh, it would be nice to chat with mum today. You I would? Could. Gosh, it would be nice to chat with my mum today if I could. Ah, oh, yes, that, that's um, because um, having worked through all my anger and everything, you know, yeah. um, once that has gone, um, then you can remember the good times. Right, okay. And... Um, but not only that, is you get a, a different perspective. You, um, and I, I could understand, and I could understand um, why my mother was like, like she was, and what a terrible life she had. Really, I mean, it was certainly she brought it on herself. But there's some empathy starting to pop uh, Yeah, through. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, there is one thing, and that is when I became a Christian, I was given empathy, which I never had. Right. And that has been a big thing with me, sure. that I see the other side. Right. You know, when there's sort of chaos and stuff, I can... I, I can see the I can see the other side and and understand um, and so that's what I what happened then um, that you know it only happened after I after I had faced what she had done I had to face the fact 
that it felt like she had tried to kill me. And, um, you know, because you, it's honor your, you know, I honor your father and your mother and stuff. And, and she used to say, after all we've done for you, you're so ungrateful. And um, uh, I just couldn't be thankful because of all the other stuff. Too but, much pain. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. The other question I posed for us, and I made a few notes from our conversation here. Yeah. How have we been shaped by our mothers? And one of mine was, um, my mum collected strays uh -huh. all her life. Yeah. And I'm now a pastor. <laughs> There's one for you there. <laughs> I, I must say that if she, if she collected strays, it, yeah. I think it was because she understood the strays. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, never thought about that. Yeah. It's a nice quality. It's a yeah. really nice quality. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think. Um, so, so what, uh, for my mother, um, what? Well, you told me you were reluctant to marry. Oh, yes, I was. Um, Robert had quite a hard time, really. Um, <laughs> uh, and my mother brought me up not to marry yeah. um, because she was unhappily married. Right. And, um, uh, yeah, so, and I always felt that um, something terrible would happen to me if I married because of my mother's curse, as it was. <laughs> and... Um, you also talked about always needing to be right. About? Always needing to be right. Yes. I, I mean, I was argumentative with, as a child. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, Bob Snow, you behave yourself. And... Um, Gosh, he's mean, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's because he doesn't like conflict. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's got the mic gets the last word. We should have told him about that. <laughs> Yet I don't strike you now as that person at all. You d you're not someone who needs to be right. N no, because of this. Um, well, I call it a gift of um, a gift of compassion. Yeah. Um, and it seemed to me that even with the baggage that you took into life. You've done an awful lot of parenting. Yes, Robert and I have. You know, mm. Robert was um, sent to boarding school at the age of five. It was like he, he was fostered. And uh, it was worse than fostering, though, because, you know, with fostering, at least you get some love and care and nurture and stuff. Um, but, um, and so, you know, we fell naturally into fostering. We, uh, I mean, I knew not what to do with kids and what they needed. They needed love and acceptance as they are. <laughs> so you did the opposite to your mother? Yes. I won't be like my mum. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to be like my mum. But mind you, you can't avoid it. <laughs> yeah. So your kids got a message of acceptance rather than you've mm. got to look good for the neighbours or, or whatever else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
relationships with your kids good now? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. They. They. Oh, I'm. Um. That's one. I, it's sort of like um an unsought for reward. Right. Um. That they do hold us in, you know, good regard. Yeah. Because yeah. some yeah. of them you wouldn't have had for very long, would you? No. No. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right. Well, um, the first. Uh, two preschoolers that we had. We only had them for three months. But um, I still in touch with them. That, that, wow. I mean, how many years ago, ago is that? It's, um, you know. It'd be rude for me to speculate. Pardon? It'd be rude for me to speculate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so even though you, and to some extent me, there's baggage about parenting, God's still been able to work yes. something through. And you know, most of your parenting would have been done by the time you started really facing this stuff in your 50s, wouldn't it? Yes. I mean, years before that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I mean, if I hadn't become a Christian, I don't know what would have happened to me. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I just don't know. I mean, not that it was easy. It wasn't. I mean, you know, it wasn't all beer and skittles. <laughs> how, do you, how do you see her now? Pardon? When you look at your mum now, yeah. with the benefit of a life well lived to look back on, how do you see her? Um, you know, it is difficult because I, I realise that I didn't really know her. I only saw the bad side. Yeah. I only, you know... Um, I never knew, I never knew her really, and that's that's the sad thing. Um, she was very reserved. She was very private, mm. and I just wonder, like with your mum, whether there was an abuse abuse there in her childhood. Yeah. But you said to me. And I said, do you think she was malicious? And you said... I can't remember what I said. You said no. You said she was a person, a broken person, who was yeah. trying to do her best and not coping. Yes, yes, that, that's right. Because um, I used to have a really sharp tongue, like my mother, and... Um, I didn't realise that it was a sharp tongue, you know, and I just didn't realise. So I think she was the same. She was. It was. It came out of her hurt and pain, yeah. not out of her. I think she she felt she hated me at at, at times, but it it wasn't real because. Um, as my sister said, she really did love me. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if in finding that place of empathy, that's where and how you honour her. How? You honour her. Yes, that's right. Um, yes, I do. Yeah, that's Which right. Which you couldn't have done at 20. No, no, no. 
I didn't. Um, I didn't hate. I didn't hate her. It was, then I, d I wasn't conscious of hate. Then I was only conscious of hate when I wor was working through it all. Yeah. Um, I just. Um, well, when she when she died, it was a relief because uh, I no longer had to um, feel responsible for her, even though I was in New Zealand. I, um, in my story, um, coming to faith at a similar sort of age, I think I was 19, mm. um, a couple of years in, being led by God to actually go to mum and say, look, for my part in the mm. difficulties that we had, I'm really sorry. Mm. And we had a sort of a clearing conversation and... That for me was the honouring about taking responsibility. Mm. I think it's much tougher when your mother or your father has gone, mm. when you're dealing with your own ghost. Mm. But it seems to me that you've dealt with it pretty darn well. And we're grateful that you were happy to come up here and talk about it in the way that you have. I um, just want to close very briefly with the scripture that I mentioned before. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. And this was a big scripture when I came into the church, and people would say, well, if you've got a grandmother that was into witchcraft, you might need to get prayed for and yeah. sorted because there might be a yeah. Yeah. little demonic passenger that yeah. you've inherited from them. But actually, when I look at it now, I think, it's interesting for me that it's to the third and fourth generation. And I suspect that goes back to that time when if you're in, the, in your society, the, the, the head charang is the oldest male in your family, whether that's the grandfather or the great-grandfather. There's one big tent and you're all in it. And their rubbish comes down by modelling and by what's reinforced and what's encouraged. And I wonder in your family whether control and abuse was something like that. I know in my family it's um, greed and favouritism is kind of the, the thing that's been our besetting sin. But God shows steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. And it seems to me that God has broken that in your life, yes. particularly, and in mine. And you had a great phrase. And you've forgotten it, haven't you? Mm -hmm. You've I forgotten the great phrase. great phrase. You said it stops here. Gandalf and Lord of the Rings said you shall not pass. Yeah. yeah. It stops. It, it has to stop. It has to stop with yeah. me. Well, yep. had, um, people come to me for counselling and um, with abuse. And Mike. Oh, sorry. Um, I had um, people come to me. Uh, with abuse issues, and um, I've uh, yeah, had to say, I felt I had to say to them, it, it stops here. Yeah. It stops here. Yeah. Because it's such a terrible thing. Yeah. So terrible. Yeah. And that's it. That's, uh, that's, that's what we do. You know, we, we understand and support people. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, mate. <laughs> Thank you.
Bless you. Okay, if the musicians could come up, we'll have one final song.